0: Hi, this is John O'Zanting, lead pastor of Evolved Church, and this is the Evolved Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Can we pray together? And, uh, and then we're going to go to Galatians 5. God, we honor you. We honor you in this moment because we know that it's important. And for some of us, the decision to honor you in this moment, it, it's costing us a lot because of what we're going through. And for some of us, the decision to honor you in this moment feels like life and, and maybe even ease because we trust you and we sense that you've been near But I love that by your spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ, through the powerful, radiant truth of Scripture, we get to draw near to you as we invite you to draw near to us. That's the constant relationship. That's the constant dance. Would you help us to be more aware of your presence today? You never leave us, you never forsake us, you are before us, you are behind us, you are beside us, you are within us. And how easy is it to forget that when life throws things at us? And so here, watching from home, gathered in this room, we pause for a moment to say, Jesus, you are what we need. You are more than enough. You can have our hearts, all of it, every part. We lay it at your feet. We open up our lives to the gift of your voice in the room today. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on a a short series that we're just calling Free. We're in Galatians chapter 5, the first part of it for now. And in a few weeks, we're actually going to continue in this chapter in the Bible in a different series that's going to take us right through the summer. And uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna love it. It's gonna, it's gonna open your eyes. It's gonna be language you've heard before that I just trust God's gonna use to set you free. But um, we, we've heard a lot about freedom in our world in the last few years. And if Jesus says it is for freedom that I've made you free, what does it mean to experience freedom in Christ? Quick recap from last week. Uh, John Mark Comer said we're seemingly more free than ever before as a society, and yet something about this freedom seems to have gone awry. We champion freedom, and yet it seems that the world we live in is experiencing bondage in in horrific ways. He goes on to say, freedom seems to have gone awry. Systemic racism is the most evocative example, but there are so many more. Addiction in our nation is widespread. Compulsive shopping, debt, financial fraud, obesity, alcoholism, environmental damage, anything that requires long-term fidelity is currently in decline. Marriage, two-parent families, and so on. And we're seemingly more free than ever as a world, as a culture, as a society, but how free are we? Do you feel free in your walk with Jesus? Last week's big question was this, has the weariness and the tiredness And the fatigue that we're all experiencing caused us to forget that actually it's in Jesus that we find our freedom. Jesus has made us free. And I shared this idea last week. You and I, living in the freedom of Christ, the freedom that only Jesus brings, means that we are more committed to the outworking of agape love by the Spirit of Christ within us in service to others Rather than thinking that to be free is to satisfy ourselves, satisfy our own wants, our own needs, our own rights, our own privileges, and so on. To be truly free in Jesus is to remember that it's for freedom that Jesus made us free, and freedom means live your lives in a way that serves others. That's what Jesus says when he means I've made you free. You are free to know your worth as a daughter, to know your worth as a son of the Most High God. And from that place of confident identity, not ego or pride, but just trusting Jesus, we get to allow the spirit to radiate real love in the world around us. Jesus has made us free. How'd your homework go this past week? And I don't need you to put up a hand or submit a comment card or type it in the chats, but the homework was start with those closest to you, your friends, your family, your, your, uh, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors. How are you doing? Honest assessment. How am I doing when it comes to the outworking of agape love, practically loving those and serving those around me? Father, would you turn our love outward in service to others? That's what it means to be truly free. And last week, I promised you that today we were going to talk about circumcision. If you were in the room last week, I promised, I said... We're going to talk about... I asked for a few volunteers for some object lessons. Nobody stepped up to the plate, and that's okay. Uh, That seems really inappropriate to say at church. Welcome to Evolve. Galatians 5 says a lot about circumcision. Uh, To to quote Paul, verse 2, he says, Listen, Paul. I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God... Then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Verse three, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Verse six, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised. He also says there's no benefit in being uncircumcised. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, If I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Verse 12, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Paul's getting feisty. He is passionate. He is frustrated. And we gave some context that I'll share again. This letter to the church in Galatia is a pushback against some Jewish Christians who came into the region and began telling these Gentile Christians, if you're truly, truly, truly in, you have to do this thing in order to be saved. You have to surrender to a knife. And I won't go into detail, but these Jewish people are telling the Christians in Galatia, you say that you're following Jesus, You have to do this thing in order for it to be real. You have to do this thing in order to prove that Christ is really at work in your life. All these Jews who came to see these new male non-Jewish Christians demanding that they follow the Torah, the Jewish Torah, to the letter of the law in order to be saved. Circumcision as an adult male is a significant commitment I mean, to surrender your life to Jesus is one thing, but then to say, all right, okay? But circumcision is a mnemonic sign. It's just like a, I see it so that I can remember. That's what it is. It's a mnemonic sign of the covenant that we have with God. It reminds both God and the Israelites that they are God's and he is theirs. It's just an outward sign that we are God's and he is ours that he's chosen them, and that they're in the sphere of God's working. I love this language from Hall in the uh, Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary. We're in the sphere of God's working. With circumcision, Israelites committed themselves to living in that sphere. And hence, neglecting it is to read oneself out of God's people. So for the Jews, circumcision was a big deal. It was kind of like, hey, if you say that you're in God's sphere, you got to do this thing. And in Galatians 5, Paul's teaching that it's actually only through our faith in Jesus that the grace that we experience, the freedom that we experience in Christ, Jesus actually looked after doing the thing. There isn't a thing you have to do anymore to live in the sphere of relationship with the Father. There's not anything that you have to do except receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 2, and 3, message translation, Eugene Peterson says this, I'm emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. So when we, as Jesus followers, say, checkbox, checkbox, check box we actually squander the freedom that Jesus paid for in full. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I'm all for a good mnemonic symbol. I wear one on my finger. It's called a wedding band. And this wedding band is a physical reminder of a covenant that I made. And if you're married, you would agree with me. And I'm old school. I officiated a wedding last week. And I talk about how some people say, well, it's made of precious metals, and so we sh- marriage is precious and our love is precious. And other people say it's a, it's a never-ending circle. And so when you marry somebody, your love has no beginning and no end. And both those things are accurate. But I just like that it's always here. It's, a, it's like a constant reminder that my life is not my own. I've actually been bought with a price. Jesus Christ paid a price that I could never pay and I stood up before God and family and friends on August 26, 2000 with Nicole at my side and we exchanged vows and we exchanged rings and this ring serves as a mnemonic sign, as a reminder of a covenant that happened on the inside of us. This ring isn't our marriage. This ring isn't our covenant. It just represents our marriage. It represents our covenant. So I'm all for a good outward sign. I'm not against it, but it's to help me remember the covenant. It isn't the covenant. And the Jewish people were saying, this thing is what saves you. And that's false. That's not the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. He alone brings us into right relationship with God. This ring helps me to remember that my life's not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to Christ, and it's only in him that I have what it takes to grow as a husband and to love and honor my wife in a way that brings God glory. So what mnemonic signs or other rule-keeping systems have you subscribed to in the pursuit of trying to earn your salvation? There's a big question for you today. What other outward things or rule-keeping systems Have you bought into that if I do these things, I'm in right standing with God? If I check these boxes or fulfill these requirements, God must love me more. He must draw in closer. If I do all the right things, if I go to church, maybe I'm in better standing with God. If I talk to other people about Jesus, I asked my 16-year-old daughter this week, through the lens of her teenage eyes. Hey, what rules do you think people believe they have to keep in order to be in right standing with God? And she said this, don't have sex before marriage. Don't participate in crazy party drinking. We had a good chat about that. Don't smoke, act like Jesus, WWJD after all, right? What would Jesus do? Don't swear, go to church. You're a good little Christian if you can manage these things, right? Come on, religion has really settled in our hearts that if we behave this way, we must be in better standing with God. If I check these boxes, when I was growing up, I had a a mentor, youth pastor that used to always say, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Right? It it doesn't. And we know that in theory, we know that in our brains, we know that doing the things doesn't make us a Christian. And yet, how much guilt and shame, how much condemnation, how much bondage to sin and guilt do we experience because of these rule keeping systems, these mnemonic outward signs that we think we have to do in order to stay right with God. Even here, as a community, we have a strong emphasis on spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. We teach on them. We talk about them. You need a Sabbath rest. You probably work too hard and don't rest well enough. Do you have a good Sabbath practice? Do you engage with Scripture on your own? Do you read your Bible four or more days a week on your own? Do you have a prayer life? Do you fast? Do you practice silence and solitude? We talk about these things as spiritual practices and disciplines, but none of these put us in better standing with God. All they serve as is reminders of our covenant, reminders that he's always near, reminders of his faithfulness, reminders of how he loves to walk closely with us in an intimate relationship powerful and beautiful rhythms. We celebrate them. We've taught on them. We'll keep teaching on them. But they are not our covenant. They are not our agreement. Doing or not doing any of these things will not make you free or make you more free. They won't. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. Faith working itself out in how we love. Gordon Fee in his book, Paul and the Spirit and the People of God, he says this, Christ's death and resurrection have brought an end to Torah observance. In other words, living on the basis of Old Testament law. Being led by the Spirit has replaced observance as God's way of fulfilling Torah. Indeed, the righteous requirement of Torah is now fulfilled in those who walk in and by the Spirit. It's in a life surrendered to the outworking of Holy Spirit that we find freedom in Jesus. It's in a life being aware of the Holy Spirit's presence and voice and coaching and correction and leadership that we stay free as Jesus' followers. It is not in a rule-keeping system. It is not in an outward sign. Doing or not doing any of these things will not make you free or make you more free, but it will remind you of the one who made you free. It will remind you of the work that Jesus did for you. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Are you a freeloader? Are you a freeloader? I, I hope my father-in-law, Dave Broadfoot's tuning in from Winnipeg today because we have a really healthy relationship when it comes to freeloading in that he's the worst freeloader of all. I mean, he's always coming here, staying at our house, eating our food. He's a freeloader, let me tell you. We've done our share of freeloading, however, like, let me look back to 2004 where we moved into their house for a, n- a number of months, ate all their food and used all their hot water, right? Um, and it's great, freeloading's awesome. You just like, you empty the fridge, you don't pay the electricity bill, you don't cut the grass, like you just live there like and, and you, you, you freeload, it's, it's a wonderful thing. If you can do it, I highly recommend it. We've done it in 2004, we've done it in 2008, we did it in 2018, right before we moved here. We freeloaded for months before we prepared to move to Edmonton to plant a church. If you need any uh, advice on how to freeload really, really well, come talk to us. We're, we're kind of experts on the freeloading gig. I know Bennett and Megan just freeloaded at their in-laws. Like, this is a house of freeloaders, let me tell you. Have you ever freeloaded before? All the perks and benefits of home ownership without any of the costs. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I think I think I'm all for freeloading because it reminds me to never forget what Jesus accomplished to purchase my freedom. Actually, all the perks and benefits of experiencing freedom without any of the cost, without any of the work. Thank you, dear. Are you a a spiritual freeloader? There's a concept. We're never more free than this. In a moment, from a deep place within us, we bring to the surface the truth that Jesus paid a price for us that we could never afford on our own. We are free. We're free. And we get to walk in and experience the gift of freedom in Christ. Galatians 5.1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't get caught up in slavery to a rule-keeping system or a mnemonic sign where you think, if I do these things, then, then I'm, I'm more free or in better standing with God. No. Jesus says sit with me, daughter, sit with me, fr- son, freeload for as long as you want. So in our remaining time together today, I wanna to unpack staying free a little further. <clears throat> a number of years ago, we had an opportunity. Hey, my in-laws took us on a Disney cruise. I mean, that's, there it is, freeloading. All the perks and benefits of a vacation, zero cost. And uh, they took us on a, a Disney cruise. And that's a, that's a great experience, but I will never forget sitting in one of the Disney restaurants on board this Disney ship, and we were sharing a meal together as a greater family, and, and all of a sudden, this wall beside me, this uh, crush, the sea turtle from Finding Nemo, swims up to our table, and he's like, yo, red shell dude, what's your name? And we're kind of like, what, what? Is the, is the wall talking to us? And this animation began interacting with our dinner table, and we were like, red shell dude? And my son Riley's wearing a red T-shirt at dinner. And again, Crush is like, dude, red shell dude, what's your name, right? And Riley's like, Riley? And then he begins talking to Riley. And like, I appreciate a good animated movie, but having like, Disney-quality animation in real-time interacting with real life was wild. It was super cool, and I will never forget that experience of of this real-time animation and interaction with our family. Galatians 5 talks about animation. It's kind of cool, and I want us to pay attention as we read it. Paul says, my counsel is this live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, for there's a root of spiritual self-interest in us that's at odds with our free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are contrary to each other, so that you cannot live at times one way, and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? I love this language of living freely, living animated and motivated by the Holy Spirit of Christ. Did you know that there's an animation taking place on the inside of you That the Holy Spirit longs to write the most profound and beautiful story as he interacts with you in real time and plays out the goodness of God in the world that you live in. He's animating you from the inside out. Our freedom in Christ is challenged because our root of self-interest, our self-centeredness, our selfishness, our narcissistic tendencies are actually at odds with our free spirit. And we talked a bit about that last week, the old self and the new self. But we defined agape love as this, to will someone else's good ahead of your own, no matter what the cost to you. And you and I, living in the freedom of Christ, means that we're more committed to the outworking of this love than we are to satisfying our own needs and our own interests and our own wants and desires. John 13 says it this way, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Jesus says it's through the outworking of love that people will know that I'm real. Through your life and through my life, through the story that your life will tell, there is a deep animation at work by the Holy Spirit within you. When we choose to be the people of God, motivated and animated by the Holy Spirit from within, we remember that we're God's. We remember that he is ours and that he's chosen us through his son Jesus and that we now live in the sphere of his working. It's only through this surrender to letting the Holy Spirit animate your life that we remember whose we are. Verse 16, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And I like that Jesus through Paul says let. You get to decide you get to choose, there isn't a forceful, this isn't, this isn't uh, Pinocchio, you're not a puppet. This is animation, would you let me add color? Would you let me add shape? Would you let me add nuance? Would you let me create a deeper detail? Would you let me, is the language of the spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. Right? In uh, a beautiful unpacking of this book, a writer by the name of R.Y. Fung puts it this way. And I put this up on the screen because this is powerful. Lean into this, take a photo if you want. That the guidance of the Spirit can be experienced as a reality in the life of the believer is a sign that Jeremiah's prophetic word about the new covenant has been fulfilled. We're in a new agreement, a new covenant. We're no longer under the law. Jesus made a new way. In Old Testament times, the Israelites knew God's law as an external code. But in the New Testament dispensation, the law of God is set in his people's understanding and written on their hearts God's law is set in your understanding. God's law is actually written on your heart, animated by the Spirit. God's will is now an inward principle, the result of the leading of the Spirit within the believer. To walk by the Spirit means to be under the constant, moment-by-moment direction, control, and guidance of the Spirit. By living in this way, believers can be sure that they will not carry out the desires of their sin nature. And if you're so focused, parents, on your kids doing and being right, you miss the inner work of coaching them to to learn the voice of the Spirit for themselves. And maybe you're struggling at home today with a sense of like, I've done all these wrong things, does God even know me anymore? And the answer is yes. Because it's not in our religion, or our non-religion that God loves you. It's in Jesus that God sees you and accepts you and calls you his own. But that doesn't mean we can't choose to allow the Holy Spirit to actually guide us and coach us and shift us and shape us when it comes to the outworking of our lives. There is a call on us as Jesus followers to live in a way that reflects God's goodness. That's most certainly true but it's not by stressing about doing the right things, it's about by trusting the Spirit's leading. I love this wording for living animated by the Spirit, to be under the constant moment-by-moment direction, control, and guidance. And that's an issue for some people when it comes to faith. You're asking me to submit my life to a moment-by-moment control and guidance of something else? I kind of want to control and guide my own life. Hasn't God given me a free will after all? Ouch. Come on. Actually, to be truly free means to, to know intimately the one that leads, controls, and guides our lives. To have a relationship with the Spirit. And it's our responsibility as those who walk by the Spirit to steward the Holy Spirit's animation, to steward it with wisdom and with attention. As the movie plays out, we see with great detail every line and shape and nuance and emotion and action and color that the animator intended. That's true of a Disney screen in a restaurant on a cruise ship, and so go our lives. Jesus makes us free in order that as the story of our lives plays out, others see with great detail every line and shape and nuance and emotion and action and color that the Holy Spirit, our animator, intends. Other people look on and say, it's through the outworking of the Spirit's animation, showing up as real love, that I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I see it clearly in your life, and I desire others to see it in mine. Paul writes to the Roman church in Romans 8, God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, the rule-keeping system, the mnemonic signs weakened as it always was by the fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as just a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of sin. And now, what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing. And that's the invitation when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Jesus makes us free in order that as the story plays out, other people will see the working and the color and the storylines and the nuance and the emotion and the conduct as the Holy Spirit animates it. It's so clear in Paul's writing to this church in Galatia what a life outside of the free life in Jesus looks like. He actually pens this list that if you're If you say you're following Jesus, but this list is showing up, this is clearly a life that isn't free. Following Jesus isn't about right behavior, but that doesn't mean that following Jesus won't change and renew and refresh and restore every part of our lives and how we live. Make no mistake, this isn't an excuse to live however you want. This is a surrender to the Spirit leading us and guiding us into holiness which is freedom in Christ. Holy Spirit wants to keep us free, wants us to stay free. That's why there's always this deeper nudge, surrender. Come on, daughter, come on, son. Surrender to my leadership, surrender to my guidance. This list in Galatians 5, 19 through 20. I'm working up a sweat today, let me tell you, This warning from Paul in verses 19, 20, and 21 is both stern and specific. He's writing to the core issues of the church in Galatia. And as I read it, I'm like, he's writing to the core issues of the street where I live. He's writing to the core issues of the church in Edmonton in 2022 right now. The evidence of the sin nature at odds with the great animator of our lives, the Holy Spirit of Christ. He paints this brutally specific picture of the state of our world today and most certainly the state of his world then. Listen. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. It was an issue then, it's an issue now. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods and magic show religion. Buy this thing and God will set you free. Garbage. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition where we think other humans are the enemy. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, but he might as well be writing to us today. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. And keep in mind, whatever translation you read this in, this is Eugene Peterson's English language unpacking of the original Greek and Aramaic, putting into real life context for us today. It's clear that the issues in Paul's day haven't changed much since Paul's day. None of these reflect the agape love of Christ working itself out through our free lives. None on this list look like a picture of somebody's life surrendered to the direction and the guidance and the control of Holy Spirit. None of these shout aloud a love that wills someone else's good at my cost. None of them do. And perhaps, much like me, one or two or maybe more from this list have been hard at work stealing your freedom in Christ. Deep breath, come on, don't quit. Don't give in to discouragement. Don't give in to the lie that if you fall prey to wrong things, religion or non-religion, that you've fallen out of relationship with God. Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anybody or anything put a harness of slavery on you including yourself, including your own heart, including your own belief systems. We enslave ourselves with with feelings of guilt and shame. Jesus says, no, I've made you free. I've paid the price in full. Listen to Ephesians chapter four. That's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to Christ, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. And since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into our conduct as God reproduces his character accurately in you. Staying free as Jesus followers has us stewarding well the inward animation of the Holy Spirit as we desire to take on an entirely new God-fashioned life. You will become different, but you must not feel bad when you don't. That's the catch. Allow the Spirit to continue to prompt you, continue to animate you, continue to move you forward in freedom. It's our responsibility as those who walk by the Spirit to steward that gift. And we sang together earlier, listen, we sang these these lyrics, This this is a song for the valleys, for the harder days, something to remind me when I've lost my way. It's okay to be reminded, but the reminder isn't your covenant, it's just a reminder. Even though it's dark right now, I know morning comes because you're the God of the promise and what you say is done. And in the battle when I'm surrounded, still my soul will hold to all you said. You alone are my refuge, you alone are my strength, you alone are my source, Jesus, only you. No outward rule keeping system, no mnemonic sign, no thing that we have to do to garner favor with God Save this. Jesus, I'm all yours. That's it. We don't need circumcision to set us apart as God's people. Phew! We don't need any other sign or rule-keeping system to save us and make us right with God. Jesus did it. But, and this is my big but, there are powerful, and beautiful tools to remind us of the finished work of Jesus and how his spirit invites us to live free and stay free, no longer enslaved by the sin nature, no longer held captive. There are beautiful reminders. This moment here in this room and online, this is a reminder. Right, okay. Tomorrow morning as you get up early and open your Bible, that's a reminder. On Wednesday evening, as you hold the hand of someone you love and go for a walk and talk about the faithfulness of God, that's a reminder. On Saturday morning, as you gather around a breakfast table with friends and family and invite the Spirit's presence into that, that's a reminder. These are good things. But they are not the covenant. They are not the work of Jesus. They are just reminders. Our Sabbath rest, our communion, our silence, our solitude, our prayer, they all just help. All right. Thank you, God. We simply need to recall that Jesus makes us free. Through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through the sending of his spirit, in order that as the story of our lives plays out, others will see with great detail every line, every shape, every nuance, every color, every emotion, every action that our great animator, the Holy Spirit, intends. They will know we are Christians by our love. Are you letting the Holy Spirit animate your life? And so as an act of our freedom today, as a reminder of our freedom today, hopefully you got one of these on your way in. We want to just pause, take communion together as we close out our time. As an act of our freedom, I'll admit these little cups don't always make me feel free. Sometimes they make me feel frustrated because there's two lids. But you go ahead and peel back that first lid. Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, says this, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we're doing today. We're choosing as a people of faith to, to break this bread as a reminder of the, the body of Jesus broken for us. And we, we eat it today to connect physically with a sense of Jesus at work in our lives. And so, would you take this bread, would you break it, and would we eat together as we remember, as we remember our Savior? Come on, let's eat together. the same way Jesus took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is a new covenant new covenant, new agreement the old one's been, been done away with a new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood Jesus says do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it every time you have a glass of wine For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We remember together, we announce together, Jesus paid a price we can never pay. I refuse to be held captive to any rule-keeping system, any outward sign that tries to tell me I have to do these things to win God's love, do these things to earn his favor. No, Jesus, today by your blood poured out for us, we remember the sacrifice you made. We remember the price that you paid. As your people, we drink together in remembrance. Father, we, as your people, we just settle our hearts right now that you've invited us You've invited us into your sphere, the sphere of your working. You are our God. We are your people. Many of us in the room here and watching from home today have made the decision to invite the finished work of Jesus to seal our lives, to cover us with a renewed sense of freedom. And we want to stay free. We wanna live the kind of lives that allow your spirit to animate every action, every nuance, every emotion, every word, every decision, to animate our lives in a way that looks like the agape love of Christ at work in the world around us. We acknowledge that that's what it means to be truly free. We acknowledge that that's what we want. We acknowledge that that's our hope and our sincere desire, and we acknowledge that we don't always get it right, but that doesn't change our condition with you. It doesn't pull us out of favor with you, God. And so today, as we've broken bread and shared of this cup together, we've done so in remembrance of what Jesus made possible. And we commit ourselves again, every daughter, every son, to the ongoing work of your spirit. If you're not in it, we don't want it. Because you said it. We believe in Jesus. We love you, Father. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.